Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sound Project Podcast, Getting Undressed with God. I am your host, Pablo Giacopelli, and this is episode 6, entitled Failure. Today I'm going to be uh, discussing, opening up, sharing some thoughts about this uh, thing that happens to be present in all of our lives, yet so few of us really understand what it is for, what it means, and what is actually supposed to happen while we are experiencing it. So sit back, fasten your seatbelts, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of my podcast, Getting Undressed with God. I want to begin by saying thank you for taking the time to, to spend with me here for 30 minutes or so. Uh, and of course, uh, I would be wrong to go on any further in the show without first uh, wishing a belated Happy Independence Day to all my American listeners out there. I am sorry that it's belated, but I guess it's better late than never. I hope you had a, a wonderful day that you enjoyed yourselves uh, with your families and your loved ones, your friends, and you celebrate it really, really, really well, your independence and your freedom. And of course, uh, that wonderful nation of yours called America. Now, today, uh, I would like to, uh, to just share some thoughts on a topic that has been uh, very relevant in my life. Uh, it's been present in my life throughout my journey. Uh, it is something that I have become very familiar over the years, uh, something that has gone, uh, has been transformed from at one stage being my biggest enemy to now being one of my biggest allies. And uh, I have had the chance, as you know, to also spend time with other people that are highly successful people and uh, in their lives. I, I have heard it being very much present, being very much part of their journeys. And I have come to a place where I have learned to understand the real winners are able to, to face this, uh, this thing. The real winners are comfortable around it and when they're going through it. Um, because they understand that uh, obviously this thing is very much a necessity and needs to be present in their journeys. If they're ever going to achieve the heights of success they're obviously they're hoping to achieve, but also they're going to be the people that God created them to be, and they're gonna live out of their full potential and their full uh, true identity uh, in their lives. Now, of course, what I am talking about is failure. Um, failure is one of those things, uh, of course, that we all experience in our lives, and if we are honest, I know in my life has been the case we see a lot more of it in us and around us uh, than perhaps we see positive things and even hear of successes. You know, uh, I see failure. Uh, I remember when I was coaching players um, and we were on the practice court, which of course, um, you know, nobody really watches that unless you're in a big tournament. Um, you know, players would come in and they would be wanting to get perfect practices. They wanted to get everything right because that then gave them the false impression that they were not only doing well, but they were getting better. And I remember that I would purposely set up these drills uh, 
to make them fail, to, to make them make mistakes. Um, and over time, as I obviously developed my working relationship with them, they came to understand that the practice court was created to make mistakes. It was created to fail. It was created to get it as wrong as you possibly can uh, and to do it as bad as you possibly can because it was only that way that you would be growing, that you will be discovering ways in which it's not done so that you could then discover the ways in which it can be done. You know, it is true that a, a tennis player, like I'm sure a basketball player, a football player, whoever, they win their Wimbledons, they win their NBA finals, they win their Super Bowls, not at the Super Bowl, not at the NBA finals or at the Grand Slams. They win those things in the practice court. When they turn up at those events, they are simply just doing and just fulfilling and bringing out and allowing what they have already done on the practice court to be shown to the wider audience of the world. But it is through the failures in private, it is through the failures on that practice court that they are then able to go and win what they win and accomplish what they accomplish. And they're able to make the discoveries that they need to make not only about their game, but themselves, that then enables them to perform in stages and in places and in situations that most others can't. Okay, so this is a little bit about how I see failure. This is a little bit about why failure is so important and it must be part of our lives if we are going to be healthy people that um, are able to have a successful, fulfilling uh, and a fulfilling life. Uh, and in particularly in our journey with God, uh, you know, successful journey with God is not determined by what we achieve or we don't achieve, but successful in the sense that we know that we have his attention all the time. We know that he loves us unconditionally and we know that he's got us and got our back no matter what. Uh, you know, that, that amazing sense of security, that confidence of being able to know beyond a shadow of a doubt as a winner knows that that kind of success, even in our depends very much on how we respond and how we see failure and the negative and adverse situations that we travel through in our lives. Unfortunately, for some of us, it becomes part of a belief system that attaches itself to our false identity, which is, of course, that we begin to see ourselves as failures, especially when it's happened to us over and over. Uh, and then obviously from there where failure really does take a wrong turn and it becomes quite unhealthy. Um, it's obviously when we begin not only to see ourselves as failure, but we begin to feel as failures. Uh, and of course, when it reaches that point, it does become something that has the potential to literally destroy our lives. Now, um, as I have journeyed through my own failures uh, over and over, I have come to understand as I began to still myself, really through the encouragement of God, um, and I began to, to slow down uh, when, I, when I was facing failure, I began to understand that failure is definitely not an outcome or a result. It is definitely not an identity, but failure is actually a space that we travel through. Now, allow me just to expand on this a little bit. Uh, when we are moving through our lives, suddenly we get a phone call that ushers us into a space 
where it is almost like we find ourselves in an impossible situation and it has all the makings of failure. Maybe you get some uh, bad news from a loved one that they are suddenly uh, found out that they have a sickness that threatens their lives. Perhaps you have uh, a relationship that is on its way to the marriage altar. And of course, for unforeseen events, now you are facing the fact that this person you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with is no longer going to happen. Or maybe you have been in a marriage for years where you've been successful in your marriage, as you've been thriving, it's been an example to so many. And because of a, a sudden turn of events, you now find yourself in front of a divorce lawyer signing your divorce papers. And so you are suddenly ushered into this space. And, uh, you know, when we go into this space, what the majority of us try and do is we start to work really hard. We go on overdrive and trying to find a way to quickly fix this, uh, this situation, to quickly get ourselves out of it in the hope that, of course, our lives can return back to the successful ways that either we want or we have become accustomed to or perhaps we uh, equal uh, that if they are that way, then God loves us. He's, you know, he's obviously with us and he's proud of us and he's happy with us. And therefore, that's why we are successful. That is normally what happens with most of us. The reality is that when we do that, we actually totally miss what's available for us in the space of failure. You see, failure is the richest learning ground known to man. And when we go in that space and we try and get out as quickly as possible, we forsake and miss the lessons, the pearls of wisdom, the revelation, the awareness that God is wanting to bring in our lives, that God is wanting to show us and give us that will you know, whether it's heal us, deliver us, uh, help us to discover something new about ourselves and him, whatever it is that needs to happen in that space. Perhaps it's the reasons why you continue to be in the space of failure. He's trying to show you why that keeps happening. Whatever it is, we are given these things and these opportunities are presented to us and we miss them because we are too busy trying to get out of the space of failure. Now, when we do that, when we try really hard, it's a problem because what we do is we simply usher ourselves back around into this space of failure. Because, you know, it isn't necessarily the devil or, or God. You know, the, the people that are mainly responsible for continuously experiencing failure in their lives and usually the failure looks exactly the same way it might be in a different place with different people but the same thing keeps happening in your life is because you're ushering yourselves back again into the same space because the last time you went through this space you were not aware you were not still you were more concerned with getting yourself out of there as quickly as possible and the more concerned you are with getting yourself out of there as quickly as possible the more likely it is that you will usher yourself back again into the same space. Now, I, uh, I want to share a, a picture with you, which I believe very relevantly shows um, what this space of failure looks like and why is necessary uh, for it. Now, here, as you know, in Israel, in Yom Kippur, um, 
there is no cars, there is no buses, there's no motorcycles, there's no airplanes, there's nothing. I mean, the roads are completely empty. And so during that whole day, you can literally go to the busiest highway in Israel and you can literally have a picnic in the middle of it because there is absolutely nothing. All there is is people riding their bikes, their skateboards, their scooters, their uh, rollerblades, whatever people use to as modes of transportation, just walking even through these very, what is usually very, very busy roads. And of course, uh, there is no car, so people take the advantage of, of, of enjoying that. Now, um, this past year in Yom Kippur, um, Gisela was, uh, of course, uh, asking us to remove the training wheels from her bike. And so we knew that, obviously, as soon as we would do that, you know, things would start to go wrong, inevitably. So, of course, you know, I, I followed her lead. She insisted. So I, 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 ab I obliged, you know, I said, OK, I'll take him off. I took him off. And of course, in a matter of minutes, the bike went from being the most precious, you know, popular possession that she has to obviously being the thing that she hated the most. Because now all of a sudden, what had provided her with, uh, you know, hours and hours of enjoyment where she just pedaled freely and of course she went places. Now it was actually beginning to hurt her because she kept falling to the right and to the left. So as soon as I remove those wheels, obviously I usher Gisela into a space of potential failure. And sure enough, failure begins to happen. Now, obviously, like most of us do, she tried to get out of it. You know, she dropped the bike, crossed her arms, started crying and sulking and said, you know, put the training wheels back on. I don't like it. I don't want it anymore. And, you know, I managed to encourage her to get back on. And of course, she didn't want to. So I had to put the training wheels back on. Now, she had the opportunity to actually learn and pick something up in that space. But she, instead of doing that and remaining in the moment and trusting me, her father, like, you know, us trusting God, she preferred to work herself out of that space as quickly as possible. And of course, as you and I know, this would only be inevitable that she would be ushering herself back in there again at a sooner day. Well, it so happened that that same day, so Gisela was quite quick in ushering herself back in there. She, once again, after seeing so many kids riding their bikes without the training wheels, asked me to remove them again. And so I did. And again, this time she went in there at least knowing that there was going to be failure and had a bit of an understanding of what failure was going to look like. Uh, but she obviously still went in there with a bit of, you know, I don't really want to go this, but it's almost like I have to because if I want to ride my bike without the wheels, there is no other way through this. Now, again, she fell to the right and to the left. And then eventually that, uh, that magical aha moment, which I'm sure every parent that has a child that is listening has had, especially in their earlier years, when suddenly the child goes from training wheels to riding the bike in the way that a bike was always meant to be ridden. She has this moment and, you know, she starts to ride around and everybody's very excited. And then, of course... I had this aha moment myself and I realized that the only reason Gisela was able to know what it felt like to stay in between falling to the right and falling to the left is because first she had understood what it felt like to fall to the right and to fall to the left. So without her experiencing failure and remaining present and remaining still and trusting my encouragement to go on and to just obviously 
me showing her what to do, she would have never ever been able to ride this bike. She would have always stayed with training wheels. And you know, as I look around my life, I had training wheels in my own life for a lot more years than I needed to, and particularly with my relationship with God. So I just, again, want to encourage you, failure is not a result. You are not a failure, no matter how many times you've experienced it. And, you know, failure is not something that you need to feel that is what you are or you're not, because that's most certainly not what you are. That is just maybe what's happened in your life and what's happened in your journey. The reality is failure is only a space we travel through. Because even though we're in a space of failure, we are not on the ditch on the side of our road in our lives. That's how most of us see it. But the reality is life is still going. We are still moving. Things are still happening. And you're still progressing in life. It just doesn't, it just means that you're doing it in a landscape that is not uh, attractive, is not nice. Like Gisela, it's not, it can be a, a painful experience. It can be, it can hurt. You can experience some real adversity. Uh, you know, but like her, you also have the choice to get out of it and try and change. And, you know, this is the thing about life. We change jobs, we change partners, we change where we live, we change our clothes. But we never actually take the time to consider changing ourselves. And that's what failure is designed, to bring change to our inner world, to ourselves. Now, the second uh, point that I would like to make about failure is why does failure feel the way that it does? Now, for me to be able to, uh, to just sort of communicate what I feel, what I've discovered about this, this, this point, I think it's important to tell you a little story of something that happened in the Sea of Galilee last year while I was out there uh, in the sea in one of the boats um, with a group that obviously had come over to do one of their retreats that we run here in Israel throughout the year and uh, you know the tour guy that I use with me which is normally there to just drive us around to the places we go to and obviously gives us some basic information he's become a friend and of course you know the standard joke always happens when we're in the Sea of Galilee where he you know he singles me out and he says okay Pablo you now jump and walk on the water like Jesus. And so everybody laughs, you know, and, and everybody has a, a quick chuckle. Anyways, after he says this, uh, everybody moved to the end of the boat where, of course, the boat owner was showing them how Peter and the disciples would have fished uh, back then at the time. And of course, I then moved to the other side. And it was as I was looking overlooking the waters of the Galilee, that I felt that say to me very clearly, Pablo, you have walked on the water many times. Now, as you can imagine, I, and as just a full disclosure podcast, you know, I've never actually walked on water. I never even stood on water. So, you know, for me, my first reaction was, well, you know, dad, I think you, you, you know, you maybe had a beer or something. You've confused me with Peter. Uh, the reality was that, you know, as, as a God said this to me, I began to go into a space of revelation. And suddenly I realized that what God was trying to say to him is, you know, walking on water has nothing to do with the surface being liquid. Um, and so I want to just try and bring you into the, the revelation that I had and what God was obviously showing me. And what God was actually showing me is, you know, Pablo, when you step out of the boat, you're stepping out of a space where you are secure, where you're certain, 
where you have control uh, a space where you know if you like it's it's successful it's 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 positive uh, it's not threatening it's not um it's not demanding of you uh to to face a situation that you know is beyond you it's not really making demands upon you that of course mean that you don't have the tools to overcome them now the moment you leave that boat and you step into the water you leave all the things that i just mentioned behind and you walk into a space that is basically vulnerable it's a space where you find that what is happening in that space it's completely and utterly beyond yourself so whether it's a phone call from a son telling you that he suddenly has found out that he has cancer um, to, of course, you perhaps getting news at work that is unexpected and you find yourself that you went into work this morning and that this afternoon when you leave, that will be the last time that you will be going to work um, or you will be at work uh, to perhaps, as I mentioned before, a sentimental relationship that suddenly has come to an end unexpectedly because of a set of circumstances that you never thought would happen. So you are suddenly in this space. Now, the moment that thing happens, the moment that phone call comes, that, that, that meeting is called where you go and see your superior, or the person confronts you and tells you something that you're not expecting, or perhaps this company that you've had for years suddenly goes bankrupt. From that moment that happens, you have now stepped into the water. And now you're going to be walking on water in an impossible situation, a situation that is completely adverse and negative and as opposed to what it's like to be in the boat of life. You are now walking on the water and you will remain walking on that water until the situation comes to an end and the season changes. So whether the child dies or makes it and is healed, whether, you know, from the moment you lose the job to perhaps the time you find another one, from the moment that you enter bankruptcy to the moment that you work your way through it and, of course, God opens up another door for you. From the moment your partner, your, ma your, you know, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiancé confronts you and then suddenly you are in this space until the moment where God either opens up the door with somebody else yeah, or somebody else comes into your life and, of course, you're in a new relationship with someone else. Or whether perhaps you stay single the rest of your life. Whatever God has for you, you know, you come to a, a, a conclusion. You, you come to a place where the season changes. And whatever that looks like. That time you are walking on water. So it's important to understand that the reason, um, the reason when you feel doubt, when you feel insecure, when you feel like you are completely and utterly helpless, Normally, when you're feeling those things and you are in a space that has the potential to be failure, you are normally walking on water. And so you see, like me, you have also walked on water more times than you ever thought you had. And now the interesting thing about walking on water is that Jesus actually doesn't get in the boat and then takes Peter into the water he's actually in the water when he calls peter out and just have a think about that picture that you know this space that you've just entered into of failure 
Jesus is already in that space waiting for you, calling you into. So again, you know, Jesus doesn't prevent failure from coming into our lives unless the failure is a space we've traveled through. We've already learned what we needed to learn. We've already understood what we needed to understand. And then, of course, in his grace, he might advert it. But if there is anything in there that is going to bring transformation and change in our lives so that we are healthier, that we have more peace and that we are obviously not only at peace, more with ourselves and in our relationship with God, but we understand something new about ourselves and God. Jesus himself will be in the middle of that failure, in the middle of that process. And he will himself usher you into that. I said before that we usher ourselves back again around and around. But whenever we come into a new space of failure, it is normally God who is in there already calling us, encouraging us to come out. And, you know, the beautiful thing is it is only those that go in there and don't run back in the boat. And that when they do start to drown, instead of trying to run back in the boat, they call on him. It is only those that ever actually walk on the miraculous waters of life. And on a side note, I like to also just meditate on this. It is only those that go out into the deep end, into the deep oceans and walk on the water that experience those, those surroundings, that learn how to navigate and how to remain calm in the storm. It is only those that go out that are able to discover and see God and experience him in a way that those that choose to stay either within the security of the boat or try and get in into the boat as quickly as possible or in the shores of familiarity. They don't even go in the boat and, and go out into the water that those people will never be able to see and experience life in the fullest way that God has purpose for life to be. And now finally to the third point that I wanted to share here in the podcast today. Um, and it, that is, you know, why do we work so hard to avoid it? Uh, now that is kind of been answered a little bit in the first two, but there's a couple of points that I want to make in this section that I obviously didn't make in the first two, which have to do with obviously why is it that everything that often we do in life is to try and safeguard ourselves from entering these spaces of failure. Now, um, you know, there is a story, there's a couple of stories that I want to I wanna dive into to, to make these two points. Um, and one of them, of course, is Joseph, um, you know, who was in a prison in Egypt for seven years before, of course, Pharaoh sent his guards to get him. And we know the story. Now, it's interesting to see um, Joseph because, you know, if we are people that subscribe ourselves to a triumphalistic spiritual journey where, you know, our focus is mainly is mainly placed on, you know, being the head and not the tail, going over and not under. Um, and of course, in the process of doing that, missing the, the true riches that exist in this thing that Jesus said that the first, you know, will be last and the last will be first. Um, and we obviously measure uh, God's love for us and how pleased he is with us and how pleased he is with what we believe or how we behave or how we do things. Uh, it's according to how much we have and how blessed we are and how well things work for us. Uh, you know, and obviously the more success we have, then the more happy God must be with us. 
Um, then, of course, you know, we're going to find failure as an absolute no-no uh, because it's going to threaten the very theology that we subscribe ourselves to. But as we have seen uh, in the first two things that I've shared with you, um, you know, it is that very thing that threatens our theology that has the capacity to transform us and to really help us to experience not only God, but ourselves and life in the way that God always meant it to be. Not to mention the people in the Bible. Uh, without a miss, the people in the Bible, all of them, experienced failure in epic proportions. And so if it is true that, you know, God's love and how pleased we are is measured according to how successful and how positive life is and how well it goes for us outside, then none of those people ever had God's attention. None of them were aligned with God and none of them were actually relating with God because all of them, without a miss, as I said, experience failure in epic proportions. Now, Joseph is one of those guys. And it's, imagine, it's, it's, it's interesting, not imagine, it's interesting to think that, you know, Joseph was stuck in a prison with no internet, no electricity, no light, um, no telephone, no TV. I mean, he was completely and utterly cut off from the outside world. He had no visitors. No lawyer would come and visit him to prepare his appeal to take to Pharaoh in the hope of obviously overturning his uh, wrongful conviction. As far as he was concerned, he was in this place of failure for the rest of his life. And let's face it, you and I, we could forgive Joseph for trying to escape that prison. You know, it would probably be one of the most natural things that would occur to any normal individual. The only way for me to have any kind of quality of life is going to be to get out of here. Now, should he have attempted that? We know he didn't, but should he have attempted that? And should he have been successful at doing that? Joseph would have never, ever been the prime minister or the president, whatever you want to call his title, of the most powerful and the greatest nation known to man at the time. So just let that simmer a little bit within you. Joseph, because he went through that space of failure, and he didn't believe he was a failure, even though he had all the reasons to believe that. And because he didn't see it as the final result, he saw it as a chapter in his life, not the last cha uh, chapter in his life, not the last chapter. And he went through this space the whole time and he trusted in God. He remained present and he did and responded accordingly to whatever was in front of him every day. He came to the end and that then, of course, then delivered him to the most you know, amazing uh, scenario situation that he could have ever experienced if he was actually staying back home that he could have ever experienced if he stayed in Potiphar's house and he was never falsely accused uh, that he could have ever experienced if he wasn't in the jail in the right place where he would meet the right people that would then recommend him to Pharaoh so Joseph's breakthroughs and turnarounds and the things that happened in his life happened because he was happy well I don't know if he was happy but he was willing to remain within that space of failure and go through it without trying to get out of it. Often in his case, he couldn't exactly get out of it without breaking laws and doing things that perhaps weren't allowed, but he nevertheless didn't try. He remained within that space that God had put him in and that season that he was in, whether it was a week, whether it was a month, whether it was seven years, whatever it was, he remained there and shows us 
that God was with him throughout the whole time and that God was taking him through these spaces to show him, to make him aware, to enable him to come into a space where he would then be able to handle the purpose of his life once it arrived. Now, if Joseph was more concerned with the outside of his life, with his false identity, you know, that part of us that we like to build to show people, uh, to pretend to be people that we're not, um, then all of these spaces that he went through, he would have never been able to handle them and he would have, of course, tried to get out of them as quickly as possible. Now, there's another story uh, in the Bible, which is, of course, Jesus. Now, Jesus, uh, from the moment that uh, he gets, uh, obviously, uh, into the Garden of Gethsemane and he starts to suffer and travail, to the end, when he, of course, is resurrected, Jesus enters into a space that has all the makings of one of the most epic failures that mankind has ever seen. You know, here's a guy that has made some pretty amazing statements about himself. You know, when you see me, you see the Father. I am a king. I am the savior of mankind. I mean, things that you would look at and if you're focused on the outside, on labels, on titles, you would say, well, failure will never be part of your life. I mean, you've got this. You know, you will have the resources. And he did because we know he said, I could call a legion of angels now and this will be over. But he chose not to. And, you know, he would never experience failure. Why would he? I mean, he had all these things going for him. He had all these titles. He had all these resources. So people like that, they don't experience negative situations. They don't experience failure. But Jesus, nevertheless, in spite of being who he said he was and having all these resources, he allows himself to go and begin this journey of what it appears to be the biggest failure. And it is because he goes through this journey and he goes through the process and he doesn't in any way try and escape or bail himself out or bring angels to bail him out that he then enters into the biggest victory that is has been ever known to mankind a victory that happened in the most negative and unorthodox situation and circumstances that anyone has ever seen before now there is a couple of things that happen here which i i just want you to to understand I mentioned that our false identity hates failure, whereas our true identity is happy to travel through this space because it knows that whatever happens and whatever is happening in that space in no way threatens who we are. And Jesus shows that when he's accused in the courtyard by Pilate and his accusers, and he does not respond in any way. He makes himself 100% vulnerable, just like Peter had to do to go in the water, just like we do if we are going to remain in this space. He makes himself 100% vulnerable because, it, of course, you know, he scorns shame because it was shame that people were trying to put on him. And the biggest antidote to shame, of course, is vulnerability. And he makes himself vulnerable and he doesn't respond any of the accusations until... It comes to his true identity. Only then he raises his voice and he says, I am who you say I am. It is as you say it is. He does not ever challenge anything else apart from who he is. And imagine, there he is, having people accuse him of things he hasn't done. Imagine when he's on the cross, the vulnerability of remaining within this space where he is being... Imagine people going through going, oh, there's another charlatan, another hypocrite that said he was and he was doing these things, but he was probably stealing money from people. 
he was probably lying he was probably not the he's probably not the person that he said he is if he was he wouldn't have been there and they said that you know look at him he saved others he can't even save himself and you know when we travel through the spaces of failure often we are accused and and things are made up about us and people gossip and people say things about us and maybe this reputation that people have come to to build up around us, not because necessarily we wanted them, but because they had these expectations that this person is, is all together and then it's all crumbles. And then suddenly you don't have that fig leaf anymore in front of you. Suddenly that label is gone. And, you know, like Jesus, I encourage you that you remain still and quiet and you trust God like Joseph did, that our reputation even in the space of failure, it's God's responsibility. That the results in our lives, they are God's responsibility. It is not ours. It is for us to show up every day present. Let's trust God to show the world who we really are, to put together our reputation, to build it. Let us not focus in trying to make that as bulletproof as it possibly can be. Our role is to turn up every day and to submit to him, to allow him to do in us what he wants to do and to remain present in that moment with him, whether we are in a space of failure or whether we are in a space of success. Wherever we may find ourselves, it is God who has the keys to our lives. As I said to you in the beginning of the program, our public victories are won in the failures of the private court of our lives. It is there whilst we allow God, whether it's a prison, whether it's a cave, whether it's a desert, to do what he wants to do. And we are able to trust him that in the time that is correct, when the season is time for it to change, God himself will usher us out of there and will bring us into the new space that our lives are meant to go into. Friends, we've come to the end of our time together once again. Thank you for listening. And I hope that the program has been both helpful, uplifting, encouraging, and it has helped you to, in some way, uh, regain or, or gain a new perspective on whatever failure you may have ex experienced in your life, whatever failure you may be experiencing in your life, that you will know that this is not who you are, that this is not a result, but it's simply a space that you're currently traveling through. And I'd just like to leave you uh, with this thought. Your biggest victories are at the end or your biggest failures. So whatever you may be, I send you my shalom and may you continue to know the life-changing embrace of the resurrected Christ in your life. Bye-bye. Friends, thank you for listening to the Zone Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. We have come to the end of another episode, and I sincerely hope that it has been enjoyable, a blessing, but above all else, it has led you to perhaps consider perspectives you have never seen before. For more information about The Zone Project, this podcast, and all the other work that I put out on a regular basis, please take some time to check out the show notes where you will find the relevant links. 
As for me, I hope that you can join me again. So until next time, thank you and Shalom.